Hey everybody, it's Allie and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, September 11th, 2016. Adam Newman is dead. Or is he? <laughs> I'm going to go with no. I'm going to go with he's definitely not dead based on odds and based on history and based on how many other times the man has died. <laughs> I'm watching the entire week's show thinking to myself, I can't believe we're burying Adam Newman again. <laughs> I mean, so soon, so so close to the last time we were burying him, wasn't it? Maybe two or three. Three years ago? How many times can a man die over the course of five years? It's a little bit ridiculous, but it, it at least gave me a chance to put on my funeral attire. <laughs> oh boy, and, and, and join in the morning. Honestly, part of me had a hard time really, really getting into it. I mean, I appreciated all of the characters uh, finding out that Adam had died and uh, seeing all of their individual reactions. I thought we got some really great acting this week from everyone in town, but there was a part of me that just felt so disconnected from the idea that Adam was dead. I think I'm just not at all believing that Adam is dead. It feels like a very obvious, eh, this is, he's going to be dead until we find somebody else to play the role or, you know, I mean, so there was a part of me that wasn't full emotionally engaged because I don't believe Adam is gone, but at the same time, uh, I thought it was a very emotional week. There were a lot of, uh, like I said, great performances, um, and I couldn't help but think about how much different this time was different from the last time that Adam died. Where else, uh, besides on soap operas, by the way, can you compare different times that people have, have died? This is kind of uniquely a uh, soap opera, uh, but I, I kept thinking about the last funeral that Adam had, where it seemed like only Victor was present. I remember him very clearly at the graveside, uh, just seeming like he was very alone, the lone person person weeping over his his son's grave and um and at, at that point that almost seemed more final somehow but it's it's odd that this time around it kind of felt like Adam was remembered with such high honor everyone came in and had a lot of esteem for him had a lot of nice things to say and had a lot of grief of their own to share even people who were Adam's enemies and didn't think very highly of him in the past, really came around to say some beautiful words. It was very sad. I mean, there was a lot of sadness. Uh, I think it kind of started Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday's show. Uh, there were a lot of tears. There was a lot of heartache. Uh, and it, it, was a, it was a little bit hard to watch. Um, of course, <laughs> I was able to kind of mediate my sadness by checking out all of the wedding, or, or all of the wedding, all of the funeral fashion. <laughs> is that wrong of me? Is it bad that, uh, is it in poor taste that I was checking out everybody's funeral outfits? 
<laughs> I can't believe I said wedding. That was such a slip. But it's like every time uh, everybody in Genoa City comes together, there's, there's just so many beautiful outfits to look at and admire. I personally really thought that Chloe looked gorgeous. I loved the dress that she had on. I want to snatch that dress for myself. It had like this lace overlay where the, the sleeves were completely lace and there was almost like a second dress underneath it and the lace hung a couple inches uh, from the bottom of the skirt even and she had that high bun that she is rocking pretty much every single day now. I really wanted to wear a high bun this week <laughs> for YNR chat but I don't know how to do a I'm not sure if I'm a bun kind of girl, uh, but I thought uh, it was it was it's very classic Chloe. I'm surprised that the dress wasn't red. She might as well have been sitting there in neon red, glowing, gleaming fashion. Uh, she couldn't have probably been more ecstatic about the fact that she was attending this funeral. But I thought at least she looked great. I thought Nikki looked really nice too. She's uh, you know had on her black dress, a very soft kind of wave in her hair looking very beautiful. I was a little bit flabbergasted that Nikki was acting like she practically forgot that Sharon and Adam were married. There's this moment where she's looking at Sharon like, what are you doing here at the funeral? And Sharon had to remind her, I was married to the man. I mean, why Why did YNR just drop the whole Adam and Sharon marriage as if, as if they didn't have the epic connection that they had. I mean, I appreciated that at least in one little moment it was acknowledged that these two were married, but it, it certainly wasn't enough. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, Sharon looked like the Black Widow going to that funeral. It was, I don't know if her dress was exactly appropriate. It was maybe a little bit too cocktail party, um, a little less funeral, a little more cocktail party. Uh, it, it, it wasn't quite fitting for me, but I I thought everybody else uh, looked really great. Uh, I thought Victor looked very respectful. Chelsea looked like hell, and it was so right on. I mean, Chelsea throughout the course of the week looked like a woman who just lost her husband, hasn't slept, and is now standing in the ashes of her life. I really connected in with Chelsea this week. I thought Melissa Claire Egan did an amazing job, uh, and I felt her pain the entire time. I felt Victor's pain, too, honestly. I was expecting Victor to be public enemy number one from beginning to to end. I really loved Phyllis's rant about Victor. I mean, it was clear that everyone was going to sort of fall in line and not kick sand in Victor's face while he was down. Uh, everyone was going to pay their respects to Victor, specifically Jack. Uh, and it, it it was Phyllis who really brought some reality into that situation. And I loved it. I, I was just, I thought that was such good writing that Phyllis was the only person of everyone in town this week that made sure to note that even though Victor didn't kill Adam any way you slice it, he started the fire by setting Adam up in the first place. Victor was the initiator here. And the twist is, I suppose, that this time, oddly, he 
acknowledges it. Of all of the bad things that Victor has done over the years, he is usually right there to offer a justification. And the weird part about the week was that he he didn't. He didn't attempt to make excuses for his actions. He was readily there to admit it, to take responsibility for it, acknowledge it. As Nikki said, he's looking for redemption. Which, by the way, I can't help but feel like this is an attempt by the new executive producers, the new team, the new sort of regime at YNR to give the fans what they've been asking for. This is exactly what we've been saying, that we need to see some redemption, some remorse from Victor Newman. And we got it this week. I thought that was really meaningful, really powerful. I was so pleased that he actually went to Chelsea and apologized and didn't attempt to make it about him. He talked to Chelsea in a way that, you know, it was supportive of her and her decisions and her son, and it was apologetic for what would have happened. He didn't go there and try to make it all about, you know, the Newman family, and now we have to bond together, and I have to be near Connor. He just apologized to her and displayed what I think is probably his feeling of punishment self-punishment. Because I think that what Victor's probably going through right now is the worst punishment of all. If everyone in town all week were attacking Victor on the same level, for instance, that Phyllis was, I don't think that it would have affected him as much. It's now coming from the inside. Victor's punishing himself, and I think that's probably the worst punishment of all. Not just losing his son, but knowing that he's not innocent in it. So he goes through this process of apologizing to Chelsea, of going to the funeral, of standing in front of Adam's uh, big portrait. They, you know, at every funeral, we have to have the big printed canvas portrait in the ornate frame <laughs> sitting next to, or, you know, there's no, and some candles since there's no uh, casket uh, at this one. It's just the Adam Memorial Service. Victor stands there looking at that photo, thinking back Back upon the uh, relationship he's had with his son. We had scenes later in the week where he's just sitting in his office contemplating, looking out the window, just, I mean, thinking about himself and his life and what he's done and what what all of this that he's done has amounted to. And standing at the podium at the memorial service, talking to the crowd, he begins to confess. He really starts to become open and honest in talking about the steps that led up to Adam's death. And I think everyone in the crowd thought that he was going to incriminate himself. Nikki certainly did. She tried to step up and stop him. You could see the look on Chloe's face. She thought that Victor was going to spill all and that that was going to blow up her whole situation and plan that she's got going on now. It was very surprising and and very tender to me that there was an unexpected comfort coming from Jack. 
Jack stood up in the middle of Victor's speech and started giving Victor reassurance that if Adam was here, he would for have forgiven him. I don't know if you guys think that was true. I don't know what you guys thought about Jack standing up and giving his emotional speech, uh, interrupting Victor, offering condolence to Victor and support to him. Uh, of course, it was it was spliced in. Jack is going on and on about forgiveness, and it's spliced in with Billy and Phyllis having hot, hot cabin sex. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> it was a little bit heavy in the room, so it was nice to have a little something on the side to, to occupy the, the base levels of my mind here. Uh, that was wonderful. I can't. We'll talk about all that later and, 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 and uh, dig into that naughtiness, but what did you think about Jack's decision to, to, to go to the funeral, to stand up uh, and to support Victor? I, I think that if we had seen a little bit more warring from Jack and Victor in the immediate past, that would have been even more powerful, but Jack has been so sympathetic toward Victor uh, for quite a while now, it seems, uh, so it wasn't, it wasn't as shocking as I think it could have been, but still, I think a really nice gesture of support from Jack, and I think maybe it came more from a place of Jack's own grief. I think that Jack saw himself as a surrogate father figure for Adam, obviously, and in a way, Jack was going through alone uh, a feeling of having lost his own son, and so I think that maybe Jack was projecting a little bit and trying to offer in trying to offer that support to Victor, but it was very powerful. Um, to see everyone give up, stand up and, and give their speeches. Uh, I, I thought Chelsea did a phenomenal job of, of, of bringing, bringing herself to a point where she could stand up and talk in front of the crowd. Uh, it, was, it was interesting because it was almost as if she was talking about Adam and thinking about her relationship with Adam, but she was also talking to Connor throughout a lot of that monologue uh, and, and the things that his father taught him and uh, the the things that he will take away and remember and that Adam will will be watching over him and it was a very emotional speech I kept thinking too that it must be so annoying to Chelsea to be embraced by the Newman family all of a sudden it seemed like they all congregated around her uh, circled the wagon so strongly that to me, if I were Chelsea, I think maybe I might have been a little bit offended by because she and Adam and a lot of their relationship and, and basis for their relationship was about getting away from these people, about not being embraced by this clan. And now here she is. They are in many ways, or Victor is in many ways, at least partially responsible for the death of her husband. And now here they are hugging on her and wanting to pull her in and suck her in, which is not, I don't think, what Adam would want. So I think uh, I think because Nick was there, he was able to uh, be a little bit of a bridge uh, to, with the family, but still I just thought, ugh, if I wouldn't want these people anywhere near me. I would want my own private memorial service and I wouldn't want to have anything to do with any of these Newmans. Uh, it, it's just, um, it, it, was, it was hard to watch her. It 
it was hard to be in her shoes. I did feel for her, I think because of the power of the acting. A lot of this was, was I think, because of the power of the acting, because I just don't believe Adam's dead. Uh, I had a hard time, I tell ya, watching Chloe sit there, not all, well, let's, I mean, even just like before the service, at the apartment, being around Chelsea, uh, watching Connor saying, oh, he put on his favorite shoes that his daddy got him, and we took a picture, and, and then going to the funeral with her, and that whole speech about, if you need anything, you know, chocolate, Kleenexes, I'm here for you, girl, being, being a real, like, girlfriend, and then, going and sitting in the back of the, the of the pews or of the chairs uh, while everybody else is hanging their head in a moment of silence. Chloe's just looking dead ahead. And I, mean, I really think that she probably had to like bear, it was probably difficult for Chloe to hold in her laughter and glee and cackles during this service. Everyone is mourning Adam Newman and she couldn't be more happy that the bad Bastard is gone, and the entire time her putting up this front specifically to Chelsea, as if she is right there along with her mourning loss. Oh, I know, I know what it's like to lose someone. I lost my daughter. I mean, just putting on this show, this fakeness. I wanted to knock her down. And so we are left with kind of an open-ended mystery here. Is Adam really dead? And if so, who killed him? My opinion on that is I, I think that Victor thinks that he's responsible for Adam's death indirectly. I think that Chloe thinks she's responsible for Adam's death directly. And we all kind of know and suspect that Adam Newman is probably alive and well somewhere on another continent. Uh, so it's, it's hard to say. I think that... I think that there's no way YNR would actually kill off this character. It became quite clear as the week went on that there's a winky wink. Adam is still out there or there's still there's an open end to it as soap operas usually have. And we can, as fans, kind of speculate. But in the end, I think that the answer is going to be whatever whatever YNR decides it's going to be based on their ability to recast or uh, the character to somehow bring the, char the character back in one way or another. Last week's poll question, Justin Hartley out at YNR, what should we do? I think this came as such a shock to a lot of us and to others, not a shock at all, knowing that he was, was going on to uh, work on other projects. And I saw the Facebook thank you note that he had left and wanted to thank the fans for their support, didn't want to say anything about leaving the show because didn't want to spoil uh, the, uh, the the Adam storyline, but Justin Hartley certainly is off working on his own projects for now. 40% of YNR chatters voted that in Justin, uh, with Justin Hartley's absence, we should bring back Michael Mooney to reprise the role of Adam, which I think is probably what my personal preference would be too. If I had my choice and if none of the circumstances that existed uh, around the time that Michael Mooney left the show were, you know, if that all hadn't happened, if the, if the Michael 
Mooney scandal had not happened, my preference would be to see Michael Mooney reprise the role of Adam. I thought he was phenomenal. Uh, I, I cannot uh, even believe that we were lucky enough to have Justin Hartley come in and take that role over so very well. Uh, but to me, I think the natural natural thing to do would be to want to revert back. And although I, I agree that's how I would have voted, I don't think that that's going to happen. I really don't. I cannot see YNR bringing him back because he left under a situation, under kind of a cloud of a sexual harassment question when it came to Hunter King the actress who plays Summer, and not only that, but I had heard rumblings, uh, for, you know, for, for months prior, for uh, for a quite a good while prior, that Michael Mooney really did not click with Eric Braden, that there were some problems there. Uh, I know Michael Mooney had a really good relationship with Sharon Case and a few of the other cast members, but I don't know if that's going to be enough to, to get him a ticket back to the show. So while that would be my preference, I don't know that it's the most likely scenario. 26% of you, the second highest number, uh, voted that you were hoping that we could just wait and see if Justin returns to the show. See if, you know, let's 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 give the Justin his time to work on his other projects and see if there's any chance that he will come back and, uh, and, and work for us again in the future. That actually brings me to a really good comment that I got here from Mary Ann at Y yrchat.com. First, I got to mention that uh, Mar Marianne, I never, I did not remember this, but you're so completely right that this is actually the third explosion death <laughs> for Adam Newman. Uh, Marianne says, uh, I remember several years ago, 2010 or 2011, back there when there was an explosion at the masquerade ball, Adam was presumed dead for several weeks or at least a couple months, uh, and it looked like Michael Mooney had left the show then. He showed up later with an umbrella drink reading the paper about his death. So it's my wishful thinking that maybe Justin Hartley has left the show for now or until everyone finds out about the status and future scheduling of his show. That's brilliant, Marianne, because I wonder if that might be the most likely cased scenario. Uh, Michael Mooney, or excuse me, I'm sorry, Justin Hartley has gone off to work on his other project. Uh, we don't necessarily know if it is going to be a long-term thing. I think he's assuming that it is. Uh, everything that we've gotten from him has sounded very final when it comes to YNR, but I do wonder if YNR might be holding out a little hope and a little space for Justin Hartley to return if his other project doesn't end up becoming a long-term one. Now, 17%, uh, there was a tie between two other options on this poll. 17% uh, of you said we should just recast a brand new Adam. And 17% of you said, let's just kill Adam once and for all. <laughs> I don't think YNR is just going to kill off this popular character, but if they don't get a recast right, they might as well. Uh, I'm open to a recast of Adam. Uh, I've heard a couple of different names thrown out there of people who might be able uh, to take over the role. Uh, and, and people, and in fact, it sounds like some 
people have been seriously considered for the role. So we'll just have to wait and see. It's kind of it's it's one of those things. You just have to see how the actor goes over with the fans, see how the chemistry works with with the other people on the show. I don't know if a recast uh, would work, but I want YNR to put some really good time and effort into it. <laughs> I want them to, if they're going to do a recast, to really try and get the right recast. Because frankly, I'd rather them kill Adam once and for all than to do, than to do a bad recast. But for now, uh, I, I get the sense that we're just moving on. Uh, I, I it's there's there's not a whole lot else to sink our teeth into as far as this goes. A lot of the week felt like it was just kind of explaining Adam's death, and then we're just going to move on from it. I mean, Nick talked Chelsea into not ratting out Victor uh, about the escape plan, so there's no real charges for Chelsea, no real charges uh, for Victor. Uh, the police are off the trail for the most part, uh, they, they have determined that the explosion at the cabin was an accidental propane tank explosion, which I don't know how the heck that happens. I mean, I live in the Midwest. Half of the people here have their entire house uh, powered by a propane tank. I don't know how you have that. And, and I've never heard of any explosions. <laughs> so I don't know how exactly that would happen. But they have found blood and tissue at the cabin. So the, everyone, you know, with the police assumes that Adam really is dead. And then we had a scene of Chloe going to visit Delia's little graveside memorial, which, yet again, we need to get rid of that thing. We need to never see that, that roadside memorial again. Didn't they plant a tree in Delia's honor? Isn't there a space in Chancellor Park where we have a memorial? Let's bring that back. That at least is a happier memory for all of us. But Chloe is still right there on the roadside looking at those pictures and teddy bears and flowers of Delia's and saying out loud, justice has finally been done. And that is what makes me think that maybe Chloe thinks she killed him. Um, uh, and maybe possibly she didn't. Maybe Adam got a leg up on her. Maybe Victor got a leg up on her. I just feel like Chloe's intention going to that cabin was to kill him. She said it. She expressed it. She said she wanted to watch him die. I just wonder if something else happened. If somebody pulled him out of the cabin prior to the explosion. There's just no way that he's actually gone. Chloe's not going to win. She's only going to think that she's won. And then we saw a follow-up scene after a very emotional memory sequence of Chloe, or excuse me, of Chelsea's uh, thinking about their wedding and when they put on their wedding rings. And then we see a little flashy flash of a gloved hand taking Adam's wedding ring, putting it in a drawer, and closing the door for who knows how long, presumably until there's a recap or a situation to bring Adam Newman back. So that is going to be our poll question for this week. Who's the mystery?
every gloved hand. I have seen so many uh, different people uh, talking this week about, uh, speculating this week about who it could be. My initial reaction was that, oh, it's Adam. He's alive. That's him putting his ring away in a drawer. But I've heard a couple of other uh, options out there. I've heard maybe it's Chloe. I've heard maybe it's Victor. So why don't you guys weigh in this week and all tell me who you think the mystery gloved hand is. YRChat.com if you would like to vote in that poll. Uh, tell me who you think it is. Leave your comments about why you think uh, that, that that's who it could be. I, I really want to read those and I'm hoping that one of us is right. I'm hoping that ultimately uh, whatever the, the, the mystery glove is that it leads to uh, Adam still being alive and that it's not going to be too terribly long down the road. The weird thing was I actually thought that we were going to see the twist uh, and and get a little bit of a uh, chicken McNugget clue <laughs> that Adam was still alive this very week. Dylan is still on the case. He hasn't dropped it. He has decided that he believes something is fishy with these uh, with the blood and tissue samples taken from the cabin. He thinks the job was rushed and there was something weird about it. So he takes the samples to Stitch and has Stitch run in some sort of independent result to find out uh, if there was anything uh, inconsistent about the DNA results and I thought, ooh, that's gonna, that's gonna be it. That's, it, it, they're, they're gonna find out that the DNA test results were somehow rigged and Dylan's gonna keep snooping around on the side no matter how long it takes to find out uh, if Adam is still alive uh, but that didn't end up being the case, unfortunately. It was ruled that the um, that the uh, test results were on the up and up so there's absolutely nothing for us to hold on to. I mean Dylan's been getting these warnings from Paul the entire time that he just needs to drop any cases having to do with Adam it continued this week. Paul told him, look Adam's dead there's nothing more to investigate here you don't need to know anything more about him you don't need to continue to try to find out what Victor involvement was in any of this and Dylan it seemed was not going to take that uh, advice it seemed like he was going to keep pursuing but now that he got the results of the DNA test and everyone in his life is telling him just drop all of this I wonder if that's just going to be case closed I wonder if we're just not going to hear anything more about any hope of Adam still being alive or any other twists or anything like that I wonder if we're done investigating Adam, done investigating Victor, done looking at Chloe, uh, or maybe not. Maybe YNR already has something up their sleeve. I mean, for all we know, they've already recast the character of Adam, and they're just waiting to introduce him onto our screens here in the near future. So let's focus in on these warnings that Dylan has been getting. Uh, of course, Paul has been telling him to drop the case with Victor, don't pursue anything having to do with him, but Sharon has also been begging and pleading with Dylan to not pursue anything having to do with Victor. Sharon is on the surface saying to Dylan that she is afraid if he goes after Victor, that Victor is going to retaliate against him. 
but I think we as the viewers understand that Sharon is terrified for an entirely different reason. Sharon is hiding something. Sharon has a big secret that can be found out. And I think Sharon is afraid that Victor or someone else is going to end up blowing that secret up. If she starts, if Dylan starts poking around in the wrong places, he could jostle something loose that she doesn't want to be jostled loose. Now, there's been a lot of chatter this past week about the paternity storyline. I think that viewers are starting to sense that that's going to be the next big rumble. Uh, and I think that's very much true. Uh, and I honestly probably wouldn't have focused on it as much this week, but you guys have definitely been picking up on something. And I, I got to be honest, it's kind of confusing because this whole paternity thing is a twist within a twist. And some people know this part of the twist, but don't know that part of the twist. And then there's other people who know that part of the twist, but not this part of the twist. And it's it's hard to keep it all straight. Sully and Christian and who's the father? And I mean, it's it really is kind of mind boggling. So who is it exactly that knows the truth that Sully is Christian? Who knows that secret? It's Sharon and Mariah and Nurse Stevens and Patty, right? Is there anybody I'm missing? Uh, Sharon had made reference to Mariah this this past week that Mariah was the only one who knew her secret and she was a little bit worried that Mariah might accidentally tell someone because Mariah did, uh, in all honesty, almost tell Kevin. Uh, but then we do have the Nurse Stevens and the Patty factor. Those are all people who know the Sully is Christian part of the twist, but who who knows that Christian is alive? I mean, who who does who knows? I mean, most people assume that Nick is the fa was the father of Christian, and that Christian died. So Sharon and Mariah are also the only people. Am I correct that know that Christian is actually still alive? But the thing is, Sharon doesn't know the other piece of the secret that Adam is the father. As far as I can tell, it's only. Adam and Chelsea and Victor who know that Adam was the father of Christian, but they don't know that Christian is actually Sully. Am, am I wrong? Am I am I recapping that correctly? It's just it's gotten almost just too convoluted to keep track of. Um, and and then I guess the uh, so the other piece of it here is there's really only one person who knows everything. And that's Sage, and she's dead. Is there any chance that YNR might quietly be working behind the scenes to bring Sage back to bust up this whole secret? Is there any way on earth that Sage might still be alive? Because otherwise, I'm not exactly sure how all of the truth is going to start to, to leak out. It is overlapping. It's just absolutely crazy. But I do sense that it is going to be the next big reveal. Uh, and it is going to come in two different ways, waves, because we first have to find out 
uh, or the, the the larger public, be it Dylan or who you know anybody else, uh, has to find out that there was a baby switch that Sully is actually Christian, and then the second wave of information has to hit that Christian is actually still alive, and that uh, that Nick is not the father, that Adam is actually uh, the father. So I, I, I it's just it's all gonna be crazy. <laughs> And I almost am wondering if YNR knows what they're doing behind the scenes, if they've already got this arc plotted out, if I'm wondering if there's any chance that Sage can come back. I'm wondering if there's any chance that the Sully Christian reveal will end up being what brings Adam back onto the scene because Adam only knows the piece of the puzzle that he was the father to a child that he thought was dead. If he then finds out, if he is alive and he then finds out that the child is still alive, would that be what could bring Adam Newman back to Genoa City to claim his son? Hey, thanks, Victoria, for leaving Travis with Billy's mom alone in a room. I felt kind of bad for Travis getting trapped with Jill, uh, looking at him like he was a snack, <laughs> as Victoria put it. Uh, although that was only on the surface. We all know that Jill was looking at Travis like a low life that she wanted to get out of Victoria's life. Jill wants Billy and Victoria to go away on this Seattle brash and tr brash and sassy trip together, but I think that Billy sees that Victoria is moving on, and he senses trouble in the water still for Jack and Phyllis, so he offers Travis his seat on the plane to go to Seattle with Victoria, and he just goes right back to square one with his uncontrollable lust for Phyllis. <laughs> uh, it has hit a high point this week. It is peaking and peaking and peaking. <laughs> um, I, I think that it is unfortunate for Jack, but fortunate for Billy, that Adam's death has become yet another wedge for Phyllis and Jack. And there are so many wedges between these two. Um, Jack, at the beginning of the week, learns of Adam's death and is absolutely dead set on going to the funeral. He wants to pay his respects to Adam, the person he thought of as a son, and yes, he wanted to acknowledge Victor's loss father to father. I think in a way, Jack just identified with that feeling of, of feeling fatherly toward Adam and in some way wanted to bond with Victor over that. Uh, but Phyllis, boy, she was not having it. I mean, Phyllis is like, you want to go there and you want to stand in line and you want to acknowledge Victor's loss? What about our loss? Uh, you know, I, I don't care about Victor's pain. I want Victor to be in pain. I want Victor to be in pain like we are in pain, like I am in pain. And the fact that you, Jack, want to go and you want to be the better man means that you're just a better person than me. It was an 
incredibly powerful scene. I loved that scene from beginning to end. Gina Tognoni was amazing. Peter Bergman was out of this world. I feel the perspectives of both of these characters. I feel both of their pains and I was riveted. I was drawn into it specifically to Phyllis. Not even, you know, I'm not even saying I 100% agreed with everything that she said, but I, I believed her delivery and I believed that she believed it. The tears streaming down her eyes, the feeling of betrayal, the feelings of guilt still being there. And I think it also, it, it just antagonizes the situation that Jack is so in this space where he wants to be the better man, where he, he wants to end the war, where he wants to wave the white flag and extend the olive branch. And I think that drives Phyllis crazy when she feels and is connected to the vindictive side of herself and also to the side of herself that feels dirty. She, I think, feels that she's betraying Jack, which she is. She knows it and she's kind of wearing it and she's kind of liking it. And I think it bothers her that Jack is trying to be so squeaky clean right now when she knows damn well that she is not. It was absolutely just beyond a powder keg watching these two together in that scene and it was it was the exact right timing for Billy. He has blown off the Seattle trip. He has decided instead to go to the Abbott cabin. He texts Phyllis right after the fight, the big fight that she has with Jack and says, I'm at the cabin and I want you to be here. And she, she just, I think, has this weak moment coming off the argument and decides to go up there and see him. And I, I mean, I thought the cabin scene was was great. I loved that it was interspliced with the funeral. I love that redesigned set. I, I don't want to forget to say that because I just, it used to be so dark. Like remember when Austin died there, or Austin died there and blah, blah, blah. It used to be dark and kind of dreary. And now they've got that beautiful tan leather couch right in the front, which I want. I think that tan leather couch would look really good uh, in my house. <laughs> I want that thing. Uh, and I just think it, it looks pretty there. And it was a great, a great place to have Sex Fest Fall 2016 for Billy and Phyllis. I mean, they sexed it up. <laughs> Jack is at the funeral going on about forgiveness, mourning the loss, while Billy and Phyllis are getting it on hard, hot, and sweaty. <laughs> Oh, Lord, did they do it. <laughs> these, the lust between these two, I feel it. I mean, I feel the chemistry between the two actors and the two characters. Absolutely, no doubt about it, hands down. These are two people that want to devour each other, and it is so absolutely apparent. And it's, it had been, I think, weeks building up. They hadn't been able to sleep together, and now finally they are able to. Uh, and it, it was uh, it was pretty hot. It was pretty off the hook. Not gonna lie. Uh, but after all was said and done, I was a little bit surprised by Phyllis's solution because you could tell Billy is questioning in his mind what. So now what? You know, do we have to go back to pretending like we don't know? You know, we're not. This isn't it. Or are we gonna tell Jack? What are we gonna do? And Phyllis's suggestion 
was that they should just lead double lives. That essentially the affair should just go on. She just realizes that she is stuck between a rock and a very, very hard place named Billy. And <laughs> she just wants to ride the middle for as long as she can. But it, it, that's, it, it, it's hard for me to connect with, with her after she hits that point. I'm with her. And then, and then it's like, you know, I get, I get that you're attracted to Billy, but I guess I don't get why you don't just leave Jack. She wouldn't have to admit the affair with Billy. She could just leave Jack if she can't be committed to him. I understand that Phyllis obviously loves Jack. She respects him. She wants to be there for him, but she also resents him deeply. She resents him deeply. And also she wants to have sex, sex, sex with his brother too. So she's not really saving Jack any grief by going on with the affair because when Jack finds out about the affair on his own, it will be devastating. And make no mistake about it. I mean, Jack will find out and it won't be through confession if you ask me. Uh, I think I think someone else is going to bust this whole thing up. I loved this week that Jill and Ashley were kind of comparing notes a little bit, or Jill, Jill, who knows about the affair, is kind of trying to get a sense out of Ashley, what she knows, what she thinks, and uh, Ashley does, she's starting to uh, realize that Phyllis is not seeming as committed uh, to Jack as Jack is to Phyllis, and she's saying, why is it that my brother is always concerned about Phyllis's feelings? It's always all about how Phyllis feels, but she doesn't really return the favor. Ashley can pick up on the fact that, unfortunately, Jack can't, that Phyllis is not as committed and, uh, and 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 also not only that but it's sort of a line in the sand that Jack felt that Adam was like a son to him and his wife couldn't put aside her own feelings just for a couple of hours to go to the service with him and to stand by his side uh, and, and to support him. And and I, I thought that it was really astute of Ashley, thank goodness. I want her to catch on. I want Ashley to figure this whole thing out. I want Ashley to be the one to bust it all up. I don't know if that'll happen, but I just absolutely think that Ashley finding out and uh, and tell you know exploding the secret would be the best way possible for it to come out. Uh, but uh, I, I honestly I think that. For now, Billy and Phyllis seem to be going with the double lives thing. I cannot believe that they actually had the nerve to be up at the cabin having sex with one another and then coming back to uh, the the after memorial service after their big sex fest, walking in together. How could they not wear that shame right on their sleeves? They just walked in together. And Jill knew. Jill took one look at their face. I think she even told Phyllis, you might as well have, uh, I just had sex with Billy tattooed on your forehead. It's, it was so entirely obvious. I can't believe they would make it that obvious. Um, but 
absolutely everybody but Jack are the ones who are being suspicious uh, and and uh, and and judgmental. Jill and Ashley totally get it, uh, but but Jack is so ready to forgive and forget and understand Phyllis in a whole new way. He is so ready to take all of the responsibility for anything negative that she's feeling, any problems that they're having in their relationship. And we had that wonderful scene in the park between them on Friday's show where Jack is really coming around to her way of thinking. He is acknowledging what she's been through, how his actions have made her feel. And it's unfortunately too little too late. I think that what Jack was saying is something that could have had an impact on Phyllis if it were, you know, months ago, right after uh, the incident happened, uh, right after the truth came out about Marco. But now it's, it's, it's just kind of falling on deaf ears and I think making Phyllis feel even worse. I think Phyllis can't stand to hear Jack be so magnanimous and supportive while she She's still got Billy all over her. I mean, she's wrapped in him. Uh, at, at the very end of Friday's show, it seemed like Phyllis had hit a breaking point with it, and she looked up with tears in her eyes to Jack and said, I've been lying to you, but I can tell you, or I at least have a very strong feeling that she is not going to tell him the truth. <laughs> it looked on a Friday cliffhanger like Phyllis was going to right there in the park tell Jack everything, but I can almost almost bet you that's not going to happen. I could be wrong, but I, I just got a really strong feeling that like probably a phone call from Billy will end up interrupting them because Jill and Billy are at the mansion having an epic argument. I mean, it was good. G uh, I, I, like the, Both actors were on point. Uh, Jason Thompson, Jess Walton, it was I mean, there were flames. There was like smoke in the air. I mean, they were airing it all out. Jill was ragging on him about this affair, that he would continue to do this, that he would hurt his brother this way, that he would do this to himself, that it was like an addiction. I mean, Jill is just letting it all pour out. And Billy, in return, is letting all the stuff even from his childhood come out. How Jill abandoned him. Why don't you just leave? That's what you do. I mean, it was it was. Big. It was an all-out, you know, knock-out, drag-out, epic argument between Billy and Phyllis. Or gosh, Billy and 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 Jill, Jess Walton was giving this like breathy, teary-eyed, full-body performance the entire time. Like the even the first time I saw her reach up and grab her chest, I was like, oh Lord, I knew it was coming for like two scenes before that she was starting to look winded. She had grabbed her chest a couple times. She looked a little wobbly and I was like, oh no, Jill is going to have a heart attack right in the middle of this floor. And sure enough, as the Friday show comes to its ending, Jill kind of like, I think she grabbed her chest and sort of let out a yell in pain. And it looks like she's having at least a heart attack or an anxiety attack or something. I don't know, but it was incredible. 
Bowl. And from the previews, by the way, of Monday's show, it looks like Billy didn't even believe her, that he thought she was faking something. But I'm wondering if she is indeed having a heart attack or realizing that, like, she's having an anxiety attack and everything that's going on in Genoa City is just not good for her. I keep in my mind waiting for the time when we learn that Jess Walton is, is going to go back to the mountains <laughs> and she's going to go back to her retirement and leave us hanging, which is so sad for me, which makes me wonder if maybe this incredible performance and possibly some kind of illness is going to be going out for a bang uh, for Jess Walton. I was surprised to see Luca back in the Genoa City Jail. I thought that the whole thing was over, but I'm actually glad it's not. I'm glad that, that YNR kind of gave us an epilogue to what happened between Luca and Summer last week. I think we needed some resolution here. Summer needed some resolution here. I think uh, the actor and actress, I thought, I thought they were both really good. I thought their final scene at the jail was really... Um, it was heartbreaking. These are two people who I think wanted to love each other, but it was lies and deception that got in their way. I really specifically thought that the actor who plays Luca did a, a wonderful job. He looked wrecked. He looked like he'd been in a jail cell all night. He looked like a man who had just lost everything. Uh, and I thought I thought he did a wonderful job of trying to plead his case. Uh, Summer was understandably very upset with him. Didn't really want to forgive him, but in the end, uh, as he's being dragged away, she tells him that she doesn't hate him, and, and essentially that, uh, that she, she does still love him, she's not going to be with him, that she can't forgive him, but she does uh, still have feelings for him, and that was real, and, uh, and so that, I think, ends the story of Luca back to Spain. He goes for some reason. They, uh, they. Paul said he was basically being deported back to Spain. Why is that? <laughs> that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. He committed crimes in the U.S. Why wouldn't he be facing charges in the U.S.? What a funny little scene, by the way, with Summer and Abby. I wasn't expecting that. Uh, I, I liked that uh, Abby is all upset. Summer is all upset, both about relationships. Summer even says to Abby, you know, this is the second time I've married a criminal. <laughs> Although she didn't actually marry Luca, but Summer definitely has that history. And then for Abby to say, yeah, I'm having relationship problems too, but I don't really have a right to talk to you about them considering I, you know, slept with your husband. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that was a funny little scene. Uh, Abby, just at the tail end of the week, is starting to realize that she's coming to a breaking point in her relationship with Stitch. He didn't go to the memorial service with her. Uh, there's a lot of problems between them. They're not spending a lot of time together. They're not connecting. And she confesses to Summer that she thinks Stitch is going to want to break up because he has told her some sort of mysterious, like, I want to have a talk with you kind of line, and which Abby comes to interpret as uh, as him wanting to end the relationship. And in some very important ways, Abby felt relief 
about that. She's been fighting so hard. Every time they're together, it's a struggle. And she's ready to be done with the struggle. So she's actually starting to come around to accepting that maybe her marriage is not salvageable when Stitch decides to plan this little dinner for her or they decide to go out to dinner together and the big news he wanted to reveal, the thing he wanted to talk to her about was that all of a sudden he decides he's ready to have another baby, which I think completely, it, it, like, Abby's face in that moment when he revealed it was like her brain was scrambled, like uh, she was completely in one gear, and now all of a sudden he's asking her to shift into another gear? You know, like, we're, we're having these troubles, very fundamental troubles in our relationship, and you want to have a baby? And it sounds like just from watching the preview, for Monday's show that she is not just going to turn her mind and decide to go, oh, yay, this is what I've been wanting you for you to say for weeks and weeks. No, it sounds like Abby is going to sit down and have a real conversation with him and maybe even tell him the truth that she doesn't now want that. Oh, yes. Yes, the scene, the final scene between Neil and his mother was just, uh, it hurt me. It hurt me in my soul. Uh, as we kind of talked about last week, Neil had finally come to a place where he was ready to forgive his mother, and he was in fact excited to introduce her to the rest of his family, and little did he know that she was within moments of dying, and she had to stop him and say, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not going to meet your family, Neil. Um, it's We don't have time for that, uh, so why don't you just tell me about them? And this was on Monday's show, and it still sticks with me really clearly, Neil sitting there and describing every member of his family and uh, talking about how he feels about them, how, what their character traits are, uh, reflecting a little bit on how he has treated them and some of the, the things that he's done that maybe uh, weren't so great. Uh, and I just, I felt that it was a scene on Monday that was so, I mean, the whole thing, the whole sequence was so slow and it was so simple and it was just so sweet. And I, I loved it. I really connected in with that. I connected in with uh, the, the, the scene that was side by side to it, where Kane and Lily and Devon and Hillary are actually at the club, or at, I think they're at the dive bar, uh, talking about Neil being with his mother right now. And they're sort of getting along. It's absolutely insane. Lily and Hillary are actually kind of complimenting each other and sort of bonding a little bit. I, I thought that it, you know, it, it was, it was sort of, um, it was meaningful that, uh, that Neil was in this moment saying goodbye to someone in his family who he had kind of taken for granted and we were also seeing the bonding of these the foursome in the family uh, when maybe they had kind of taken for granted some of the the better parts of, of their relationship so uh, it, it was it was connected it made sense to me um, unfortunately, 
Neil's mom was just not very long for this world. I really wish we could have seen her for longer, but she just very kind of quietly and sort of sweetly slipped away. We should all be so lucky. She really just kind of closed her eyes and left with, with her son at her bedside and Neil just weeping, Mommy. <laughs> Oh, there could not have been a dry eye in the house on that one. Uh, I would say uh, there, the, it was, it was just, it was really hard to watch, but it was really great for Christoph St. John. Uh, I felt it. I really felt him through that whole sequence. It was like two days worth of material, but damn, he was good. I think that man was channeling some real pain there. Is this family drama not enough for you? <laughs> oh, speaking of the Winters family, it was Devon who said that last week. He was sitting at a table with Neil just prior to Neil going to visit his visiting his mother, and uh, he was reading about Adam's escape from prison on his tablet, uh, and uh, he was trying to, to read the article to Neil, but Neil, was his head was off in space. Uh, he was not paying attention. He was thinking about his mom, and uh, Devon had to try to jog him back into reality. Is this family drama not enough, not exciting enough for you? I, I loved that line because it's just like, it just felt very YNR appropriate. Uh, but apparently it was a very elusive line. Only five people guessed that one. I get well, a little bit proud of myself when I find a line that not a bunch of people guess. Uh, so uh, Sandra, Troy, Henry, Dylan, and Edith all got that one correctly, all guessed that it was Devon. Very, very good, you guys. I'm pleased with you. I think I found another elusive one this week, but it wasn't intentional. I hope this isn't too hard. Uh, I felt like I didn't have a whole lot to choose from this week for something. For some reason, nothing was really, really jumping out at me except for this one because I thought it was an astute observation. So you can tell me if you think you know who said this. Adam was a complicated soul. There certainly was a lot of talk about Adam this week, but only one person uh, made that connection. Adam was a complicated soul. YRChat.com if you'd like to leave your guess. I think I also liked that line because it was, you know, you can't really simplify the life of a man like that, and it seemed like we were squeezing a lot into this memorial service, uh, but Adam was definitely somebody you couldn't uh, put in a box. So if if you think you know who said Adam was a complicated soul, yrchat.com to leave your guess. And if you get it right, I'm going to give you some extra lovins on next week's YNR chat. Let's start out our comments this week with a poem from the YNR Chat Poet Laureate, Sandra. She left a very heartfelt uh, poem in honor of Neil and Lucinda, which I shall read to you now as sort of a, a eulogy, I suppose. Neil and Lucinda reuniting, a future so inviting, but was a moment too brief, steady now in your grief, cry for a life without her, shed a tear or two, but remember, Neil, your mother loved you. 
Is that beautiful? I love that, Sandra. That is really, really sweet. Because it was such a sweet scene. I like also that you say a future so inviting. Because it really, you know, I think there was something about just those two brief days on the show that made me think, gosh, I would really have liked to explore a relationship of Neil's with his mother. And it feels like in the same way that Neil robbed himself of this relationship with her, the audience was kind of uh, robbed of this whole well of story and emotion that we could have had. It's, 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 it was definitely sad, but I love your poem. That's beautiful. And Tina Cole on YRChat.com says, maybe Neil's mother's storyline is also used to help Hillary and Lily become closer and start mending their relationship. What do you guys think about that now? Do you think, uh, as Tina Cole mentions, that Hillary and Lily could become friends. Would you like to see them become friends? Do you think they'd be better off as sisters than as enemies? I wonder. I kind of like them as enemies, but it would be nice in sort of a Jack and Victor kind of way to see them bury the hatchet at least for a little bit. It certainly was nice this week. Gary left me a voicemail about Billy and Phyllis here. Uh, and uh, Gary says, the Phyllis that I know uh, and Jack have absolutely zero in common, which is just being illustrated and playing out now. Also, Gary says, I appreciate Phyllis's voice on the show, that the writers are not forgetting the truth of the situation. Yes, Gary. Um, I like your comment about uh, Phyllis's voice being in the writing, because I think that it is unusual for soaps, uh, for the writers to be be so very self-aware, um, we're actually seeing uh, the playing out of consequences of an out there storyline. The twin switch, the whole Jack and Marco thing, and Victor's involvement of it, we're actually seeing the real repercussions of one of these crazy soap stories. And that is very unusual, and it has given rise to Phyllis having this very unique kind of voice in the dark uh, and it's almost as if it's taken on the the, the audience member uh, just hey this crazy thing happened I want it to be acknowledged and and that we're actually seeing it play out is very very unique um, I though by the way I I, I really um, I liked Phyllis and Jack uh, when uh, they first got together they didn't have a lot in common it certainly seemed like he he was more stable and she, and she was the cra you know kind of crazy one coming off Danny and all of her her madness and I think uh, coming off of oh, had she had she been no she hadn't even been married to Nick yet it was coming off of the Danny stuff uh, and there was something about Jack that kind of anchored her in and made for a very sweet romance uh, and I think it worked with Gina Tognoni and Peter Peter Bergman here um, but it you know like you know like we said it's just actually the writing that's sort of pushing forward uh, that I think is, you know, making the, the couple not work anymore. Um, <laughs> this also made me laugh because Gary, this is a, a direct quote from Gary because I laughed out loud about this one. Gary says, someone should pick Chloe up by her little outer space bun and spin her around the room until she goes crashing through the penthouse window. <laughs> What is with the bun, really? I mean, I, I do I do like the bun. It looks cute on her. But, like, every episode is the highest bun 
I mean, if the bun gets any higher, it's going to come to like a unicorn horn point on her head. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, Chloe is frustrating. I kind of like, kind of, I like the idea, Gary, of thinking of you picking up Chloe by her little outer space bun. <laughs> Oh, Katie on Facebook says, not saying that the fu funeral slash memorial episodes aren't emotional. I cry every time, but you would think after a while it would get easier burying the same people over and over again. <laughs> yes, Katie, I think I think you're uh, you're echoing the sentiments of the entire community this week. Everybody is, I think, uh, watching this and saying, yes, it's sad, but at the same time, it's happened before. <laughs> also, Katie was the winner, uh, one of the winners of the Soap for Soap fans uh, drawing last week, and she uh, just left me a message saying she got her soap. Yay! I think you got the, the chai soap, and she said she liked it. That makes me very, very happy. Um, Daisy on Facebook says, I don't think Phyllis had any right to talk about Adam because she kidnapped him and has yet to pay for that crime. I never thought about that, uh, but, but certainly Phyllis is Phyllis is not innocent. I mean, if we went back into the history of all of the crazy crap that Phyllis did and actually played through the repercussions of it, oh lord, oh lord. Um, Daisy also says the person who's holding the ring might be. Chloe trying to keep her fingerprints off of it, but putting it somewhere where it can be found so Victor thinks Adam is still alive. Now, Daisy, you were actually the first message that I saw that that hipped me to that whole idea. I 100% assumed the glove hand was Adam, and I didn't even occur to me that it was Chloe. So that's a really interesting possibility. Zuperplex left a comment on YouTube saying, I'm convinced that this whole imbroglio, the explosion, the presumed uh, death of Adam was the handiwork of Victor in conjunction with Adam. Adam was at wit's end trying to muster up a resolution that would allow him to live with Chelsea and Connor freely without the threat of inca incarceration or the retribution of Chloe looming over him. Victor had apparently convinced Adam that if he faked his death, Chloe could be neutralized until such a time that evidence would be gathered to compel the authorities to have her apprehended and simultaneously provide the opportunity to assuage the criminal justicism of Genoa City to extend leniency to Adam for strangling the prison guard. Wow, that was a mouthful. <laughs> that was a mouthful for me. But I get it, and I like it, and I hadn't really thought of it, but I think you left this comment uh, early in the week, Zuperplex, and I did sort of watch the show throughout the week through that lens of thinking that what if Victor and Adam did plan this together? They had that final scene at the cabin. Certainly, there could have been a little, you know, some something that we didn't see as viewers where uh, they decided to let uh, Adam and Chelsea have their last night together, and then Victor and Adam together would work on uh, getting him out of there, uh, faking the explosion and the whole thing. Um, it's certainly possible, and, and we see a lot of Victor's tears this week, but it doesn't necessarily need to be interpreted as him uh, mourning the death of his son. He certainly could be mourning his own actions. Uh, he could be faking it. He could just be wanting us to think, you know, trying to go along with the plan, but it's certainly possible that Adam and Victor had something up their sleeve there. Also, Angela at YRChat.com says, we shouldn't all forget 
Mr. Ward just because he's behind bars. So I like that theory too, Angela, that Ian Ward possibly could have wanted to enact some kind of revenge against Adam or who knows, maybe he wanted to be Adam's friend and dragged him out of the fire. There's so many possibilities. Whyrchat.com is where I'd love to get your votes in the poll on the mystery hand and your comments about who you think that it is. Very serious business, but uh, Anna left me a voicemail this week. She must have anticipated that I was going to be talking funeral fashion (laughs) because she also had Chloe as her best dressed funeral. Uh, So I was glad I wasn't the only one who was appreciating the dress, Uh, but this made me laugh a little bit that Adam said, or Anna said that Sharon looked like she had a little too much Botox before that scene. I'm not going to lie, Anna. I was thinking that Sharon was not looking all that good at that funeral uh, at the memorial service. But then she looked really good in the scenes at home with Mariah afterwards. (laughs) So I don't know what happened in between there uh, or when the Botox came in. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I agree. There was something she she looked a little uh, looked looked a little off. Anna also got her soap, by the way. She left me a voicemail with lots of happiness saying she got her pumpkin gingerbread uh, and that the bars are a lot bigger. I made them a lot bigger, so uh, you can really get your good soap on (laughs) this time. Uh, So I'm so glad that you uh, enjoyed that, Anna. I hope you get get soapy. (laughs) Get good and soapy. Um, Justin left me a voicemail saying the worst part about the Adam's death is that now both of Christian's parents are dead. You know, I hadn't even thought of that, by the way, that um, that both of Christian's parents are technically dead. That's why I wonder if Weiner is going to bring back Sage if they can't bring back Adam right away. Hmm. Um, also, Justin mentioned Sharon and Adam, kind of wishing that we had seen a little bit more of those two actors while Justin Hartley was on the show, and I think also a little bit more acknowledgement during the funeral. It it always kind of bugged me, because I was really on board for Sharon and Adam. That was a romance that had me. I was into it. Uh, And then when when Adam met Chelsea, it was just thrown out the window and and very rarely mentioned. So I, I would like to see Adam and Sharon. I mean, who knows? Maybe when Adam does come back onto the scene, by then Sharon and Dylan's marriage will be broken up. Nick and Chelsea will be together. Maybe we'll get back to a Sharon and Adam union here in the future. I don't know. I'm also going to end on a a good hypothetical question that Justin left for us. Uh, He asked me... What, Allie, is your soap opera resume? Meaning, what other soaps have you watched? I love this question. I can't believe I haven't really thought to toss this out to the crowd before because my soap opera resume is pretty short, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, I watched, have watched YNR since 93. Um, I watched Days of Our Lives probably for two, three years, right around the same time, maybe 93. 95 or 96 uh, and then uh, quickly let that one go uh, as it got more and more wild and uh, then I, I watched Bold and the Beautiful now. I watched Bold and the Beautiful kind of on and off through probably um, probably the early 2000s 
dropped it and then just picked it up probably in 2010 or something, uh, 2011 maybe recently. And I, I watched I watch every episode of that, although I'm always horribly behind. Uh, but uh, yeah, I have I've I have awareness of other soaps. I think mostly because I would get the soap magazines, and of course now there are so few. But uh, I certainly would kind of just flip through the magazines to see what you know. I was it was aware of who the other characters were. But as far as daytime soaps, that's that's pretty much as far as it goes. Uh, Justin had mentioned that he watches YNR, that he watched Sunset Beach. Uh, I didn't see that one, but I always do kind of remember that one being in the soap mags. Uh, so I think that's a good question for the crowd, though, because I know um, there are some people like me that are really m more like single soap focused. They just kind of happen to get hooked on YNR. Uh, and I know that there are some people who just have a very long soap resume, like all soaps are their thing. So I put that up as a special community question at yrchat.com if you guys would like to brag and talk about and reminisce about your soap resume. What daytime soaps have you guys watched? Feel free to list them, uh, talk about what you like, didn't like, list your years that you watched them. Maybe you can find other people who loved and remembered those shows too. Uh, if you're watching any other soaps currently, uh, feel free to chat about that. Yrchat.com if you would like to leave us your soap resume. And thank you, Justin, for yet another amazing hypothetical question. I can't wait to see the answers on this one. Okay, everybody, I think that does it for me for this week. It's been a good one. I've been I've been getting lots of emails from people who got their soap this past week. I've been shipping out soap bars every day. Mary Ann just emailed me, said she really liked hers. So thank you, everybody, for your soap, for, for being interested in the soaps. Um, I think uh, all of the, 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 the winners' uh, soaps have been mailed out, so I've been a busy little bee. <laughs> um, and if anybody wants to snap up the remaining soaps. I've got those up at GenoaCitySoap.com. I get emails all the time, like, every time I want to get your soap, Sally, they're, they're gone. Well, I think I still have at least one of everything, so no excuses. If you want them, you can get them, uh, and, and if you snooze, you lose. <laughs> That's how, just how it goes. Uh, GenoaCitySoap.com. If you even just want to see the pictures and read the descriptions and all of that's kind of fun, too. Uh, and of course, there is is yrchat.com where you can leave me your comments about the young and the restless. Um, you can leave them on the blog, you can leave them on the Facebook or the YouTube, and of course, you can call into my voicemail at 309 588 4569. I think that's everything. <laughs> I love hearing from you guys. Can't wait to see where the heck we are with the Billy Phyllis Jack thing. I'm wondering if there's any chance that's going to blow up next week, but I'm kind of thinking it's going to be more toward November. We'll see. But I will certainly be back next Sunday to chat about it. So everybody have a fabulous week, and we will talk next Sunday. All right. Bye.